This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. going on guys this is rob carbone coming at you with another episode of bd4 where there is no better way to get your yankees and knicks analysis hope everybody's doing all right tonight you know we gotta oh keep pushing along it's episode 123 did i say 122 i don't know i can't remember but 123 we're gonna keep doing our little prospect you know, profiling and pick apart some of the lower mid-tier prospects first before we make our way up to the lottery prospects. Um, but we've still got a little bit to go here, you know, before we run out of talent, I guess, and uh, have to have to go up to the lottery and, you know, talk about the more talented players, um, actually. So, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Whoa. I hope everybody's doing uh, fucking all right, man. It's... We're still in quarantine, so I understand it's, um, you know, we're, we're all at home right now. Not much to do, not much to see. I even went as far as to to watching UFC the other night. Never do that. And then today, as I am recording this, on a Sunday night, May 17th, I, I actually watched NASCAR because they made their return tonight. So take that as, as you will. But yeah, that's, you know, I the last time I've watched NASCAR, at least religiously, was back when I was a kid. I knew everything about it, but been a while. And, and uh, you know, I'm so desperate for a live event, a live sporting event. Um, although, you know, I don't know if you want to call NASCAR a sport, but you know, I would. It's I just need a live event on TV. And, you know, so I was watching NASCAR um, with no fans, obviously, in the crowd. But. And there are still some guys that I remember as a child you know, that are still racing today. So that was pretty cool to see, like the Matt Kensits of the world and, and Kevin Harvick and the Bush brothers. I think they're brothers. Um, so yeah, that's what I did on. That's that's how I spent my Sunday. Um, I do, you know, I didn't catch the last dance because, as I've said, I've got to catch up. You know, I, I have three whole sets to go. So I, I'm only up to episode four. I've still got to watch five through ten. I know the finale was tonight as I speak. Um, so, you know, as you're watching or listening to this, um, you probably finished it. Hope it was good. You know, I'm definitely going to finish it this week. I hope that I can start watching the rest tomorrow and work my way there. Um, 
you know, I heard episode five or six is very focused on the Knicks. So that'll be fun for me. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, hopefully I can get to it soon. And I really want to say, I heard it was funny. I heard it was entertaining and, and, you know, um, very, very informing. Even, you know, we've learned some shit that we haven't really up and, you know, up until today. So that's what I've heard. So. I got to catch it up. You know, I got to catch up and, and get a, get my insight there. But as for here on BD4, we are going to keep doing our thing. Um, tonight's prospect is Marcus Howard, who's you know kind of a, what's the word? Kind of a controversial, maybe, prospect. You know, a lot of people really think he's getting overlooked. Um, but then there are people who just don't think he'll, he'll do anything. Um, because of one reason, because of his size, right? He is a 5'11", 180-pound, with a 5'11", wingspan, scoring guard out of Marquette, played there for all four seasons of his college career, um, and he's now 21 years old. So he's very tiny, guys, and that's the big knock here, which we're going to touch on that, you know, as one of his minuses later, you know, you know, we're going to do our usual pros and cons, um. And talk about why he may or may not be good, uh, be good for the Knicks. But that's that's who we're going to dive into tonight, guys. We're going to talk about Marcus Howard, Marquette scoring guard, and uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for the intro, right? You know, there's not much else to talk about, you know, outside of outside of this, um, yeah, this COVID nineteen shit. I don't know. It, it's really just killed everything, guys. It, there's nothing to talk about, you know. It sucks. Um, I want baseball to come back. I'm dying for the Yankees. Obviously, it's, it's I'm a, I, if you don't know, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. You know, if you're here for, for my Knicks shows, yeah, I'm also a diehard Yankees fan. Um, I'll probably put the Yankees above the Knicks. Maybe, you know, they're probably toe-to-toe, though, but it's just because they win. <laughs> and I need the Yankees back in my life because I need to experience winning, right? Right after I watched the Knicks go 21 and. 40, whatever they did. I need, I needed the Yankees, right? I usually go right from the Knicks to the Yankees. It's a beautiful transition, but now we're we're on the Knicks and we're not possibly not going to get any Yankees. So this could be a fucking nightmare this summer. If, if (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do without the Yankees, I, you know, listening to podcasts, watching reruns, that's all fun, but it gets old guys. It gets old. I don't know. Let's take a break. All right. Let's, let's, I don't want to go too long. It's really late as I'm recording this. It's technically not Sunday night anymore. That's how late it is. It's 1253 in the morning on a, on a Monday morning. So, you know, goes to show how much I've been doing quarantines on quarantine. (laughs) So I literally have nothing to do. So, you know, I, I, I record at late night hours. Um, (laughs) It's fucking when you have a house of four or five loud Italians surrounding you, it's kind of hard to record during the day. Um, I've got my studio, but it's it's still difficult being that you know I'm always needed to do something. But all right, we're gonna head to break. I'm rambling now. Um, we're heading to break, and as soon as we get back, guys, we're gonna pick apart prospect Marcus Howard. All right.
Hey fellas, really quick, I just want to remind you, in order to subscribe to BD4, to subscribe to my blog, and to follow me on social media, all you have to do is go to my website. That's it. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, that is nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once there, guys, that will display all of my information. Where to subscribe to the podcast, how to subscribe to my blog, and where to follow me on social media. Guys, thank you so much, and let's get back to the show. prolific scorer this kid um averaged over 25 points per game in his junior and senior seasons um most recently in his senior season Marcus Howard dropped 28 points per game on four uh, with four rebounds three assists and he did so on an efficiency line of 42 percent from the floor 41 percent from three-point distance and 85 percent from the stripe did it on a volume of 19.3 field goal attempts per game, 10.1 three-point attempts per game, and 8.6 free throw attempts per game. So very efficient for the volume, too, that he took his shots at. Um, averaged 3.4 turnovers, um, and then did all of this through 29 games, 33 minutes a night. Now, over the course of his career, when you combine everything, you know, freshman to senior season, Still very productive numbers. He was very consistent, actually technically improved every year. Um, but overall, in his college career, averaged 22, 3, and 3 on 44%, 43%, 88%. Did so on a, on a volume of 15.2 field goal attempts, 7.9 three-point attempts, and 5.3 free throw attempts. Turning it over 3.0 times per game across 128 total games where he averaged 30 minutes. So he is... Uh, Marcus Howard is, I would say he's projected to be late second round. Maybe we'll, we'll say we'll say mid second round to undrafted possibly, just because of how glaring his weaknesses are, you know, because of that lack of size. But some of the comparisons I've heard, I've heard a lot of comparisons on Marcus Howard. Um, I've heard Isaiah Thomas, you know, it the other Isaiah Thomas. Um, to me, that's a little too optimistic, you know, because Isaiah Thomas was very good, at least at his peak with with the um, the Celtics. I've heard Trey Young without the playmaking, maybe also a little too optimistic for me. Then I've heard some more likely comparisons. I've heard Monte Ellis Light, right? Um, you know, and then I've also heard Carson Edwards, which uh, maybe that's a little too pessimistic. I don't know. There's it's kind of hard to to find a comparison for this kid, but you know, I've heard I've heard the Edwards one a few times. Um and, and the Monte Ellis one is probably the one I agree with most. A little, you know, like a poor man's Monte Ellis maybe. You know, um so yeah you know, the likely the likely scenario, you know, people have their opinions on this kid. You know, there's a lot of them. Um but the, I would say the likely scenario for this kid's NBA future if he were to be drafted or picked up later Mid rotation, mid to low rotation, you know, maybe 
some off-the-bench scoring pop who would probably be limited to 15 minutes due to his you know, defensive liabilities because of his size. You know, someone who brings you some instant offense and, and capable. You know, he might be limited to 15 minutes a night, but he's really capable of scoring you know, a point per minute because of his microwave type, you know, instant offense that he brings. He's a very streaky shooter. So he can, you know, rack up the points in, in, in a heartbeat. He'll be able to score you 10 to 15 points in just as many minutes. Just, you know, when he's hot, he can carry the team for a stretch. Um, you know, so he would be a good replacement for someone like Alonzo Trier, who's expected or might leave in the upcoming free agency whenever that starts. So, yeah, I mean, I think I don't think he's going to be a starter. Definitely won't be a starter. I don't think he's going to be a six man. Um, I think he'll be somebody who's you're going to have to limit his minutes because of how you know glaring that 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 weakness is with that lack of size, just kills him um, on defense. You know, we'll talk about that again uh, further on. But you know, some of the positives. Let's start with the you know the good sides. Um, the kid's a fucking like we said. He, he dropped twenty eight a game. Uh, 25 last year. He's a natural scorer. He's a prolific three-level scoring guard. Um, somebody who can shot create exceptionally. I would say he's a shot creating guru, right? We talked about Grant Riller being exceptional off the bounce and you know, uh, Marcus Howard's very much like that as well. Um, he's very good at creating in space. He's an excellent ISO guard because of this. Very polished in the one-on-one situations. You know, he's got a great handle to get where he wants on the floor gets to the line a ton. Um, you know, he took a big jump from his freshman to sophomore season when it came to getting to the free throw line. He only averaged two free throw attempts per game as a freshman, went up to three as a sophomore. Then he took the big jumps in his junior and senior seasons, going to eight free throw attempts per game and then nine in his senior season. So, you know, and, and that wasn't a minutes thing either. You know, that was something that he actually, improved their free throw rate. He got to the line a ton, um, and he kept increasing that. Um, so he's good in isolation, but he's also good off the bounce and pick and roll. He utilizes pick and roll very, very efficiently to open up scoring opportunities for himself, right? He will use his elite ball handling skills um, to create mismatches. You know, bigs will be switched on to him because he knows how to use pick and roll, and he'll, he'll capitalize on that. Um, and make them look silly. So he's he's a good crafty ball handler, guys. He's got a pretty quick. He's not the most athletic, explosive type of guard, um, but he still has a very quick first step, a good blow by move to get to the rim, um, and, and again to generate contact as well. He's got a good touch on his floater when he needs to use that. He'll do it, um, and a pretty good finisher for somebody of his size. So that's that's some of the positives in terms of his. Um, you know, in terms of his offensive game, but we've also got, he, he doesn't really need a lot of space to hit shots. So, you know, a lot of people like to talk about you know, tough shot maker and a tough shot taker or vice versa, tough shot taker and a tough shot maker, right? People say that a lot in the NBA with certain players. Well, that's Marcus Howard. Why is this video feed freezing? Fuck. I hate that. I did. I did. I just noticed that. I didn't even notice it was freezing. It does this every night. If you watch the podcast, you'll probably notice. But I usually get it fixed, so I'm gonna refresh it really quick. Uh, let's see if we can fix it. Um. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Sorry about that. If you're listening to the podcast, every night we do the uh, the video cast. The the video starts freezing. Um, you know the little clip I have in the bottom right. But we're good now. Um, but yes, Marcus Howard, very tough shot taker, very tough shot maker. He he will he will convert 
you know, over defenders with little spacing in between each other. Um, he'll hook, you know, he'll make the shot late in the shot clock. He could do all those, you know, make those tough baskets. He's a walking bucket, a straight up bucket getter. You know, people also like to throw that term around walking bucket and right. Maybe if Michael Beasley, I think that's another good comparison. If Michael Beasley was a point guard, was a guard, this is it, <laughs> right? Uh, walking bucket. And he likes to create off the bounce a lot. And just, you know, he's got a great step back, a good in and out move he likes to, to use to create space and create separation from defenders. Um, and, you know, he makes he makes his shots, man. <laughs> There's a lot of knock on this kid, but he makes his shots. He's a good shooter, high efficiency, high volume. You know, 55%, 55% from three-point distance as a freshman. Um, did so on 4.8 attempts per game. Then went to 40%, dropped it to 40% as a sophomore, but still 40%. And that was on an up in, in attempts, on 8.1 attempts. Junior season, also 40% on 8.8 attempts from three. Then his senior season, again, 41% on 10.1 attempts. So very good as a three-point shooter. He's had some very good games individually. Um, this past season, if I can remember, you know, I think he had a 51-point outing against USC where he hit nine three-pointers. Um, he also had a 38-point outing against Loyola, um, where he hit Loyola, Maryland, where he hit seven threes, and then he hit six three-pointers against Georgetown, where he dropped 42 on them. So he's had some remarkable, you know, performances against these big schools. And again, altogether, a great three-point shooter in college, overall 43% on just under eight attempts per game. So he knows how to shoot the ball, and he could shoot from the foul line, so he's not just a a one-dimensional shooter. He hits his foul shots, you know, altogether in school. He was 599 for 679, equaling 88%. Um, on an average, that's 5.3 attempts. So he's a good shooter. He can hit it from everywhere. He's had some big free throw games too, you know, where in 2020, at least this past season, um, I think there was 11 games he had with 10 plus free throws. And two of those games, he had at least 15 free throws. Um, one was against Davidson, and then he had 17 free throw attempts twice, actually, against USC and Providence. So he's had some, you know, James Harden, <coughs> excuse me, type uh, type performances, you know, where he gets to that line and, and converts at a ridiculous volume. Uh, but also a good mid-range guy. We mentioned he's a three-level scorer, a good all-around shooter. He can hit the mid-range. Um, doesn't take a lot of them, and we'll get to that as more of a minus. But he, he can hit the mid-range, especially in transition. You know, when he runs the break, he likes to pull up in the mid-range area. <clears throat> and then, you know, some of the last couple of things I have here as a strength in his game is he, he has the ability to play off the ball and kind of run through screens. Um, that's there. I want to see him do that a little more, but it's there, I think. You know, when he does so, he's pretty effective cutting and such. Um, and he's also pretty efficient and catch and shoot scenarios as well. You don't shoot 55% in your freshman season from three point distance, you know, and do it one dimensionally. You know, if you're going to shoot that high of a percentage and really year by year, as we said, over 40%, you're going to do it in all areas and he can catch and shoot and do it off the bounce. So it's just at a lower volume when he's shooting off the catch, but don't get me wrong. It's very efficient. So and overall, you know, despite the size, he's you know small but mighty. Good work ethic, very high motor kid. He wants to succeed. He's gonna make you know that he's gonna make you work. You know, he's gonna he's gonna make it known he wants to beat you. Um, and that's what I like about him. But uh, again, we're gonna get to his 
his downside, which really, really shies a lot of people away from him. And it's understandable, honestly. It's very understandable. It's kind of why I'm very iffy on him. Do I really want him on the Knicks as a replacement for someone like Trier or, or even Dotson? I don't know. Because his his height, his frame, his slight build is just very concerning. Um, very tiny. Again, 5'11 frame, 5'11 height, 5'11 wingspan, and a 180-pound weight. So is that... I don't know, you know, that kind of gives the Knicks zero lineup flexibility, right? He's limited to just play the point guard, but he's got a lack of size for a point guard. He's still undersized, even as a point guard. Um, and it's going to hurt his ability to finish at the rim in traffic and, and through contact at the NBA level. There's no way he's going to be able to convert, you know, at the rate he was doing in college with that with that height. Um, he'll be a large, again, a large liability defensively. You know, someone who, in college at least, we saw this often, where the opposition would force him into pick-and-roll scenarios the second he came onto the floor. They would constantly put him into PNR scenarios where he was just constantly mismatched and switched onto the big screener, and that would just abuse him in the paint. You know, he would just get abused by the bigs, you know, constantly in mismatched scenarios defensively, and that, that hurt his team. He gave up a ton of points that way. Um, and you can't have that in the NBA. That's only going to expand to be even worse. Um, so pretty poor defender, man. And you know, at times he'll get caught ball watching. You know, he'll shade towards the key a lot, and then whole guy, you know, his guy will be open on the perimeter, will be late on his closeouts because of that. So he's got to work on a lot defensively in order to just be adequate. Um, and you know, even offensively at times, you know, when he's not making his shots he's tough to watch. You know, he's kind of one of those scorers where he's not the, the facilitating type. You know, he's not a true point guard. So it's going to hurt his NBA potential, given that he's undersized at the point as it is. Um, but he's only allowed to play point because of that, again, of that size, limiting the flexibility there. So he's not going to impact the game if he's not making his shots. He's very scoring focused kind of predictable at times where he doesn't take a ton of mid-range you know he's very modernized so if he's not hitting his shots and they're they're expecting him to launch threes and to you know he and he's not hitting them he's not going to score points not going to generate efficiency not really going to bring you much he's very one-dimensional at times um so it doesn't impact the game in a positive manner it's kind of a negative impact player when he's not hitting his shots you know he had a 40 percent <laughs> a 40 percent usage rate uh, this past season, but only averaged three assists out of that versus 3.4 turnovers. So very ugly efficiency as a playmaker, you know, just a very erratic shot chucker at times. Like I said, when he's not on, he'll keep shooting. He he won't try to dish it out and, and facilitate. He's just going to keep shooting and that's going to lead to some reckless performances in the NBA. Uh, he was only 46% uh, from two point distance in college. And I wrote down a little stat um, of his 29 games this past season. 17 of them um, were under 50% from two-point distance. 17 of his 29 games. That's a chunk of, uh, of that's a good chunk of games right there. And even from three-point distance, I know the percentages are great, but when he's not there, it, he can be very, very hard to watch and erratic at times. He's had some clunker games from downtown. Um, if I can remember Maryland, he was over six from three Butler. He was like fucking four for 18, um, against Villanova. He was three for 12. He had a four for 12 against St. John's, New York, 
Um, and then, you know, five for 16 or five for 15 against DePaul. So he's had some very ugly performances again. So that's the thing here. What is he going to be in the NBA? It's very, you know, the, the, the disparity between his floor and ceiling couldn't be further. You know, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but I think the middle ground here or not the middle ground, I think if he pans out, if he pans out, he will be somebody, like I said, somebody who can come off the bench for about 15 minutes a game, no more or less, and give you 10 plus points. You know, that's, I think that's his ideal scenario, what he should be aiming for, because I don't think he'll get much more than that. Maybe that's just me, but if he does get to that level, I'm all for it. It's just a big ask. You know, it's, do we really want to take our second pick um, and, and get somebody this tiny? who has that incredible scoring punch inside of him. We know he can get hot and do it for stretches. Um, But is it worth it when there are so many other complementary pieces that the Knicks can take um, with their second and third pick this season, this draft? So I don't know if I really would prefer, but if they did take him, let's say they did, I, you know, I, I would have to accept it obviously, but I don't know, man. I would, I would, I wouldn't, not my first choice. We'll, we'll end on that. Not my first choice. Um, but I really, he's very intriguing to me. Very intriguing. But it's that height, man. It just gets me. I, I hate small players like that. You know, I, I, it, it always, it's just going to be in the back of my mind. But that's, that's my take on Marcus Howard. Very intriguing, but very risky. High risk, high reward type of player. There we go. We'll say that. Um, so if you guys think differently, please let me know in the comments. But, that's going to be it, guys. Thank you for coming by. Thanks for stopping by on BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Guys, thank you so much. I'm your host, Rob Carbone, and I'm signing out for tonight. All right, ciao.